Hi everyone, welcome to My Movie Story. Uh, this is the podcast where we chat to normal everyday people about three very special films. Um, I'll explain what the categories of those films are if this is your first time listening to the show. If it is, welcome. If you're a returning listener, good to have you back. Um, and I have a very special guest today all the way from upstate New York. Her name is Emily Wild. Uh, we go a long way back when we may talk about our story a little bit. But to tell you a bit about Emily, she's a mother to one a newlywed wife and uh, recently made the transition from a radio host career into the death industry. So very, very interesting, very interesting. Um, she loves exploring vegan cuisine, um, does a bit of gardening in her time and consumes series and movies in her downtime. Uh, so it's great to have you here, Emily. Um, you know, I'm really looking forward to our chat today because obviously we go way back and and I'm um, really excited to talk about the three movies you've chosen. So uh, welcome to my movie story. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I have to ask, you know, that was a really interesting bio I just shared there. And I think a lot of our uh, listeners might be interested to to hear a bit more. And, and what else can you tell us about yourself, Emily, or, you know, what's, what's been happening for you recently and what's going on sure. in your neck of the woods? Yeah. So, you know, like you said, I was working in radio since I was 18 years old. And um, I think it was 2019, I ended up getting laid off from my job because our industry was kind of collapsing a little bit. And uh, a couple of us lost our positions. And, and then COVID hit and everybody lost their jobs. And um, the radio station I was working for ended up completely folding and turning into a country station when we were alternative. So that was really sad to see that go. Um, we worked so hard on it and I truly loved it. But when I was unemployed at that point, I ended up taking the first job that I could. And it was being an assistant at a funeral home and I'm All still right. there. Okay, so wow. ever since October, 2019, I've been working for a funeral home. Um, I'm not a funeral director. I don't have plans to go to school to be one. I like what I do. Lots of scheduling and uh, designing, printing and customer service. And I like it. I, I think it's, you know, where I'm supposed to be right now. I kind of had my cool. career. So yeah. 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 And that's just, just goes to show like, in life, you never know where you're going to just land. You know, sometimes like you get upended and you land on your feet, might not right. be what you expect, and you make something of it and it can turn out being, you know, this like hidden blessing. So, right. Yeah. And I think and other generations were able to go into a job and just stay there for life. But, you know, for younger generations here, we're seeing that nothing is permanent. The rug can be yeah. slipped from underneath you at any moment. So, you 100%. know, at, that's at this point, I'm riding the wave and enjoying what I'm doing now. And who knows what's going to be down the road, right? Absolutely. You never know. Like, keep yourself open. That's what I always say. And, yeah. and knowing you and, and for, for how long I've known you and just the way you work and how you are with people, I'm sure you do an awesome job uh, in that and make Thanks, it a really good experience for people. Uh, at a difficult time um and you've you've lived in upstate new york most of your life is that right that's yeah. correct i grew up in rochester and now i'm living in buffalo so right. just down the road 
it's down the road. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and for, for our listeners uh, who might not know the geography, how where is that in relation to say New York City? Is that far? So, or? if you're you know thinking in basic terms here, New York City is on the east side of New York and all the way at the bottom, where Buffalo is on the west side and all the way at the top. <laughs> so it's about six and a half hours, seven, if yeah. you're driving by car. Yeah, right. New York's yeah. big. Yeah. It's a long way. It's not just down the road. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and um, and I think I'd visited Buffalo. I don't know if you were there at the time. You might have still been in Rochester, but um, obviously where you go for Niagara Falls and all that sort of thing. Yep. And I've spent a lot of time in New York myself and yeah, love it. Absolutely. And um, just for our listeners who are keen to know, Emily and I first met all the way back in 2006, so nearly 20 years ago, mm-hmm. working on an American summer camp uh, in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Uh, and this was for kids with special needs. And um, what what did we do, Emily? Can you can you tell everyone what our job was? <laughs> we were video arts specialists. Video arts, absolutely. Video <laughs> arts. I think when we came on board, it was video radio. Uh, the video, the radio equipment was like so old. There was like a raccoon living in there, yep. so <laughs> mm-hmm. we just became video arts and we like <laughs> revolutionized it and helped these kids make films and and had yeah. an incredible summer. Um, yeah, and we've been. We've been hitting off ever since, and yeah. I was really glad that you uh, were keen to come on the, my movie story and tell us about your three special films. And before sure. I get you to introduce the first one, I'll just um, tell our, our viewers slash listeners, however you're uh, getting this episode at the moment, that we get our guests to talk about three films. The first one being their all-time favorite movie, the one that they could watch a thousand times, they can quote it word for word, they never get tired of watching it. They've grown up with it. It's just that film that you know, has a special place in your heart. We all have one. Second film is a film that changed you or your perspective on life. Uh, and we all have a film like that as well. And quite often that film can just be introduced to us. We might just flick on the TV one night and there it is. Uh, or we seek it out because we know it's a, it's an important topic. And then the third film we get, I guess, to talk about is a film that they think everybody needs to watch at least once in their life. Right? So if there's a a location you need to go to once in your life, let's say it's New York, Paris, Rome, Cairo, the film is in that category, right? It's it's like right. big, it's epic, it's like you have to watch it to be reminded of the, you know, the power of movies and and uh, how movies can, you know, surprise you and do a whole bunch of other things. Uh, so that's what we talk about. So, um, Emily, I'd love to get you to introduce your first film for us, which is your all-time favourite movie. What would that be? So that would be the Goonies. And I know, oh. I know that's a basic choice, but <laughs> it is my it's my all-time favorite. It really is. So good. So good. I wanna go home. Don't say that! Goonies never say die! Oh my god. From Steven Spielberg. The Goonies. Do the truffle shuffle. Come on! Do it! <laughs> I take us back, because when that film came out, I don't think you'd been born yet. Um, I was maybe only three or four when it came out, but I had older mm-hmm. sisters who were watching it, and I grew up on the, those kind of films. Um, how did you first discover The Goonies? Can you remember where you were, what was going on in your life? It was probably the the same situation. So I was born after the movie came out, but I have siblings that are eight and nine years older than me. So I do have a, a love for 80s movies. 
Um, they were always around me. We've watched, we watched films over and over and over in this family when I was a kid. And, you know, we were a very quotey kind of family. So like everything we did, we were quoting the Goonies, right? Absolutely. So quotable. No. So quotable. Yeah, right. And anyone listening who's been under a rock um, who hasn't seen it or heard of it, shame on you, but um, <laughs> maybe you've got a good reason. Um, can you give us a quick description of what, what the Goonies is about? Like, how would you sum it up? Sure. So, you know, big company trying to come in and foreclose on houses so they can build a, a golf course and a country club. And the kids are trying to come up with money because the parents can't so they can stay in the goondocks. Yep. Yep. And this is takes place in, um, um, where is it? In, um, Oregon. Oregon yes. Astoria. Yes. Yep. Pacific, yeah. um, Pacific uh, coast. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful um, part of the country. Yeah. Blank there. So this place takes place in Astoria and, um, it's a very interesting place because we see it a lot in films from the eighties. So I think, you know, everyone wants to kind of see what that's like, but yep. it's a sleepy town, lots yep. of rain. And <laughs> I think that's what, what makes this story interesting is that no matter where home is, it's special and it's worth saving. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, we meet the, these kids on a lazy Saturday afternoon, they're just hanging around the house. It's raining, you know, being, being Oregon. Uh, and yeah, they discover something that sends them on this this adventure. Um, so, like, walk me through the film. Like, what would be some of your uh, your favorite scenes or you know favorite moments from the movie? I mean, there's obviously so many, but what what stands out for you? So, I would say <laughs> Corey Feldman is one of my favorites. I think he was yeah. such a great actor. And um, I love how he just spent his time just messing with everybody and especially the the poor maid that came in to help them you know, pack <laughs> everything. And, and he's speaking to her in Spanish and terrorizing yep. her. Very good. And yep. it's and nobody knows. Right. Even the the Mikey's mom is just like, oh, good job. Thank you. And yep. this, completely this is oblivious so for us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And each character is so well-rounded. And I think they chose the best actors to play them and how each character right. was also introduced as well was really clever because it opens with the uh the fratellis is that the name of the family the criminals yes fratellis uh break mm -hmm. out of prison and you know get chased through a story by the cops and as they go through town we see all the the goonies these seven kids the four young boys the older brother and the two teenage girls all pop up in random spots and they're introduced in these in brilliant fashion and then they all basically converge on this house and then it, it takes off from there. Um, and, you know, I know for myself watching this film, I resonated with different characters at different times. Like, uh, right. obviously, I identified with Mikey a lot because he was the leader and he was like, we've got to find the treasure. and Who's one-eyed Willie and all of that. And then it was it was Data for a while with all of his gadgets and stuff. I think I might have even tried to create some of those things he made. <laughs> yeah, was there a character you identified with, you know, more than once or was it a mix? Or I'd say it's a mix, but I think I think Mikey was so relatable for a lot of kids because he was somebody that that wanted to be more. 
Absolutely. He wanted, you know, he wanted to, to show everybody that he wasn't just a, you know, kid with asthma that needs to stay inside. Uh, he wanted an adventure in life and he wanted to, to go out and get things and make a difference. And I think most kids feel small all the time. And that's what I really love about the Goonies is that it's another story about kids trying to make a difference, showing that that children can and they want to. Yeah, the kids fight back. Yeah. And yeah. if you look at uh, shows today like Stranger Things, yeah. um, you know, and even to a, another degree, the 27 version, to, 27 version of It that was set in the mm -hmm. 80s, um, the Goonies was very influential on on kids' movies and how kids acted and behaved yeah. and captured that brilliantly would you agree yeah oh absolutely yeah, yeah and i think sure. that's important right we you know we talk a lot about representation in film but kids need to see that they're not just small and can't do anything that you know when they put their their power to it they can get things done and that's that brings me to my favorite scene of the movie is when they're standing in the well and oh, yeah. Corey feldman's holding up the coin saying, this is our time. This is our place. You know? Right. Yep. I love absolutely. that. Such a cool scene. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. th that's sort of the point of no return, isn't it? It's like, yeah, they can go up the well and get rescued by the bully or they can go forward and yeah, they go forward and, and that really empowers them and everything. And yeah, yeah. it's just, there's so many, so many great things to like about this film. And uh, I remember introducing this film to my, two eldest daughters for the first time. And it was, yeah. I was so excited to be able to do that. Have you had a chance to show it to your child? Yeah. What did yeah, you think I did. I don't think she remembers though, at this point, <laughs> Yeah, we got to watch it again. Right. Yeah. It's a different attention span with today's kids, isn't it? I think just what they're used to seeing and how films are made versus yeah. the kids films of the eighties where we had to use our imagination, you know, and I hear She's my daughter sometimes say that looks so fake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because it's not like CG. Exactly, it's not flawless. <laughs> right. you know, but yeah, yeah. I she's at the age now where she's starting to appreciate that theme that kids can do anything. Um, she loves Stranger Things, yeah. so, so you know if I show her films like um, what was that Steven Spielberg um, film about the train crash? Oh, Super Eight. Super Eight. I just yeah. showed her Super 8 and she That's loved that. It's the, yeah. the same kind of theme, right? Very much. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. This so band she's, of misfits. She's just, and... about, she's just about 10. So she's starting to relate to characters in movies like that. Awesome. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is the, the, they're the misfits. They're the outcasts, the kids that get picked mm -hmm. on, get misunderstood. They get labeled and they end up being the heroes, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. Right. And um, would you say, how would it rank up there in terms of like, kids' films of the 80s? Like, would you say, what, what would be maybe some other good contenders um, in that category, or is it just Goonies all the way for you? I would say I would rank that up at the top. I was also, see, I struggled with this, with making this decision, because when I was a kid, and you're going to laugh, I absolutely loved the movie Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> it's a great <laughs> film. It's a great film. Nothing but wrong with is, that. They're also saving the world, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, genius, genius movie. You know, about a yeah. couple of airheads who, yeah, so good, yeah. so good. And I was really impressed with the third one that came out a couple of years ago. Have you had a chance to see that, Brian? I cried. 
I cried when I watched that movie and I'm like, I'm probably the only person on this planet that's crying right now yeah. <laughs> watching this How movie. Good. How good was it? Yeah. yeah. They finally they finally performed that song. Um yeah. and what what an awesome song it was and how that scene all came together. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. After I've watched that like maybe three times now, and after I watch it, I just yeah, I just feel good. I'm like, wow, that's yeah. so positive, you know? And it came mm-hmm. out during COVID as well, which was really a good time for yeah. it to come out. And right. Yeah, so yeah, and I think uh, everything old is new again, you know, like with That's shows right. like uh, Stranger Things and all that, we've, we love going back to the 80s and this is a film where you can go back to the 80s and we all identify with the 80s, even if we weren't born in the 80s or we don't remember the 80s, we can all yep. identify with it. And, you know, what? And ha- how else do you think this film sort of captures the 80s? Like what, what makes it such an 80s film, do you think? Sure. So... You know, in the 90s, we did have a childhood of going outside and playing quite, you know, all day, quite a bit. But I feel like the 80s is just before so much technology that kept us inside that it was this was the only option. Let's let's go out and get it. And there was nothing better than getting on your bicycle and going, which my, my daughter does not do. And I don't see a lot of kids riding their bikes, at least here in America anymore. And just the freedom of that. The freedom of riding your bike was so good. And that's how this whole adventure starts, right? Yeah. They get on their bikes and no mobile phones. And like you, you were told just be home before dark or be home by this time. And off you went, Yep. you know, and you put a few snacks in your backpack and off you go with your mates. And yeah, it was, it was a great time. You know, it was a great time. And, yeah. and that, yeah, sadly has been lost a bit. And I think, I think that's what draws us back to films like the Goonies and right. shows like Stranger Things is it seems like simpler times and, you know, where there was kind of that youth and innocence and that possibility was still there. Yeah. And yeah, I think the Goonies really captures that really well. Okay. And do you, is there sort of a tradition for you with this film? Like, do you watch it at a certain time of the year or um, anything like that or just put it on when you feel like it? Like, I have the the DVD box set that has like the map inside it and it has like a little board game. I just, I love the film so much that it's mm-hmm. kind of like when you need it, it's there. It's there. Yeah. You can yeah. put it on. It's a, yeah. An hour and a half quick, a quick watch. It's simple. You know what you're going to get and you have a, you have a yeah. great. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, we could, I think we could just keep on talking about the Goonies forever and there's so many other things we didn't touch on. We might need to, do a whole episode on on the Goonies like mythology <laughs> and everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, I will add just quickly that oh, there's been talk of a sequel since like the early two thousands, and it kept stopping and stalling. So and much stalling, right? Um, but I think it's picked up a bit of steam recently because of Kihei Kwan winning the Oscar uh, for mm, that's um, right. His career's sort of come back, you know. And um, I mean, obviously Josh Brolin did well. He went on to become Thanos and everything, but. Yeah. You know, if they if they did it well, you know, if it was maybe focused on their kids, maybe they could do it as a series. Yeah, maybe we'll give it a shot, but um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Like so, some things are better left untouched, but it hey, could we be. got the Bill and Ted one, that like what twenty well. years later. So yeah, that I have well. hope. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're not getting any younger, those guys. So they they better get their skates on. But um, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Awesome. <laughs> Well, if anyone hasn't seen The Goonies, um, you've just seen a clip um, in between this interview. Um, if you haven't watched it yet, you know, you haven't lived. <laughs> Get The Goonies, check it out. If yeah. Whether you're a kid of the 80s or not, it will just take you back to that time. There's a lot of things we didn't talk about in it that are, it's a lot of surprises along the way and you'll just have an, an awesome time. Yeah. Cool. So 
let's change uh let's change tact a little bit now emily and um okay we're gonna get kind of like um reflective and serious now if we can <laughs> and i want to hear about your second film which is the film that changed your your perspective on life um so yeah how how would you like to uh start talk about this film what can you tell us about this film sure so i first saw this film it came out when i was maybe 14 years old and um you know this one this one's tied for my all-time favorite with goonies um which was great for this category anyways um but I love this film because it's a memoir based off of a memoir by Beverly D'Onofrio about her life of, you know, being a pregnant teenager and raising her son with um, somebody who ultimately ended up being a drug addict and her dreams of, you know, being a writer one day, which as we see, you know, she wrote her memoir, we got a movie. And what was so great is that she was on set this whole time, like really coaching drew very more on like how to be her how the story actually went and looked so i it it feels genuine so yeah this this uh film for me was very special because i felt like as i was aging and you know growing up i was perceiving the movie a little bit differently or even relating to the main character at different points of my life. So even with, you know, when I was a teenager and my best friend and I said, Oh, we're going to be like the, the two girls in that movie. And we're both going to have kids at the same time. And, you know, we did. So that was kind of cool. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was, um, it's a good story because I think the, the moral of it, which is easy to miss, um, and they really like lay it down at the end is that um, women want to help you, but you need to ask. We will do anything and everything to help, but you have to tell us what is wrong and we will do it for you. Good, really good point. Yeah. Uh, and all this while our listeners have been sitting there with suspense thinking, what is this movie? I don't think we've dropped the title yet. So what's it actually called? Riding in cars with boys. Yeah, absolutely. Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Experience the plans we make, (laughs) the risks we take, (laughs) and the people in our lives who make it worth the ride. (laughs) Drew Barrymore. Mommy is going to go do something that's going to change the rest of our lives. Riding in cars with boys. How do I look? You look beautiful, Mommy. That was released in, I think, around 2001 or so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, I'll just quickly share my sort of story about the film. Um, As a teenager, I had a huge crush on Drew Barrymore. (laughs) Like pictures all over my wall. I think it was. Uh, oh my gosh. I think it was the wedding singer. Um, <laughs> I was sort of saw that you know the grown up Drew Barrymore, and I'm like, oh, that's like you know that's the girl of every guy's dream. She's sweet. She's funny. She's like, <laughs> talk to her. She's fantastic. And then it's you know this obsession began, um, and I would see all her films after that, and I've been sort of working my way back through her catalog, and 
yeah, it's a, it was a really interesting film because it's it's set in the 60s. That's where it starts, right, in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sort of follows her as she's a teen and then flashbacks between that and being being a mother and all of that. So, yeah, so you've already sort of touched on, um, you know, um, what the film meant for you. Um, so how how's, how's it maybe changed your perspective on things? Like what specifically would you say it's changed your perspective on? Sure. Um it's it shows that things can go bad at any moment on any day but also you have the power to turn your life around and get what you want out of it mm. there it just might be a couple of hurdles and bumps in the road along the way absolutely yeah and uh what what do you think uh was some of i guess the turning points for Drew Barrymore's character that that sort of you know in her journey like obviously it's about her at the start falling pregnant quite young and then yeah so what what do you think were sort of some of those defining moments for her and how did she handle them do you think sure so um a lot of it was disappointment on hinging expectations on somebody that just can't deliver and a lot a lot of it is that idea of something can't be done right just do it yourself And I think a lot of single mothers or just single parents, period, um, can kind of get into this mode where, you know, this this isn't working. I'm going to have to just take all this weight and and bear it myself. And that that happens to a lot of people. So I've seen this throughout my life and being a parent myself and watching my friends and and family struggle with things like this. So it's, it's there, it's there, Absolutely. you know, I yeah. think we, we bring children into this world as two people and they don't exactly always grow up with those two people raising them. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's, um, it's really well done in terms of how it captures her journey, I think, you know, and, you know, she was only 27, I think, when she made the film. So at some point she's playing like a 15-year-old at the start and then a woman in yeah. her mid-30s later with a teenage son. And, yeah, uh, just really I feel it was the film that really showed her her dramatic acting chops after. Her range, yeah. Her range, 100%, yeah. after being the child star and then the sort of, you know, sultry teen star in the early 90s and the kind of trouble yeah. she got into. And then, yeah, late 90s, early 2000s, she had this sort of big resurgence and, which was great to see because she's so talented and she's just so likable, you know, Drew Barrymore. Yeah. Even if she's playing a unsympathetic character, you can't not like her. You know, she's just yeah. <laughs> she's just so nice and, and genuine and everything. And um, I, it's I, definitely her best performance. Oh, that, definitely that one movie, of her best in my, performances, in my opinion. For sure, yeah, yeah. And um, who would be? How would you maybe like um, uh, describe this film to say? someone who normally wouldn't watch it. Like, let's say you've got a 16-year-old boy who just likes to watch, like, Transformers movies and and that kind of stuff, and you're like, you know what, watch this, and you're going to sort of understand the challenges of a, of a young woman and being a kid with of a single parent. And, and how, might, how might you introduce that film or set that up? And would that be, you know, a, a worthwhile experience, do you think, for a young guy to watch? So everything that I explained is from my perspective as a woman and as a mother, 
Um, I have showed this to men in the past and it has touched them so deeply because they have been in the position of being Jason, the son, and they've connected with, I mean, he's kind of the main character too, right? He's telling this, the story essentially, we're seeing his, his journey from his whole life into being an adult and getting out on his own. Um, but you know, for people that grow up in in families where a father is absent too and what that means for them um i have seen people connect with that aspect of it but yeah explaining it i don't know if i've ever explained it this is my favorite movie you want to watch it (laughs) (laughs) yeah just yeah yeah Yeah, we tend to just i think we, we can really get someone to watch a movie just by how we describe it Mm-hmm. Like the emotion that we put into, we describe it. it doesn't necessarily have to be a scene by scene capture, but like, oh, you've got to watch this film. It's just, you, you, you've got to watch it. <laughs> like something right. like that. And people are like, yep, done. I'll watch it. Yeah. Cause they can sort of see that feeling in you and everything. And yeah, it's, it's, um, that's the thing with these films in this category, the film that changed our sort of perspective. It's like, we're kind of proud of it and we like to you yeah. know, share it with other people and get more people to see it who might not normally watch it. And, um, you know, uh, almost become, you know, uh, marketers of the movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, something that really stood out about the film for me as well was um, Steve Zahn, who plays um, oh, her husband. Yep. Yeah, um, we don't see a lot of him these days, but back in the early 2000s, he was, like, in everything. Um, and they he's were such comedies. An, uh, they were yeah. comedies too, or, mm-hmm. you know, the thriller like Joyride. But yep. this was the mm-hmm. first serious role. He still played a, a doofy guy right which is his typecast but he yeah. did such a great job yeah. at showing the struggles of this individual and what that looks like for some people such an underrated actor as well i find like yeah. you know um we, there's probably so many other things we could have seen him do that he didn't quite get to but like every performance there's a hint there of a really great great actor and he yeah. he can work with kind of anyone i think you put him with any actor and he just has chemistry with them because right. he's just this sort of affable, you know, familiar kind of guy that we all know. Um, right. So yeah, that's what that's who I remember also from the film. And and who played her dad in the film? Can you remember? Because it's it's um I'm a bit foggy on who played her dad at the oh, start. I don't know his name. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's okay. Maybe one of our listeners can now uh, let us know. But <laughs> but yeah, riding in cars with boys. It's uh, definitely a. Uh, interesting film as a as a character journey uh, from you know being young to being an adult and all the different relationships she has you know with her partner her son uh, her father your parents yeah your parents in general yeah and mm-hmm. uh, since since you first saw it you know when you were sort of fourteen um, as you sort of go back to it over the years uh, do you tend to notice different things about it each time absolutely absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's more of a, appreciating um, how she acted in this movie because mm. it was like every little detail of a stranger's personality was like in her, right? Yeah. And I think, um, like I said, as I changed as a person, became a wife and a mother and um, because I, I was married previously with my daughter's husband. Um, so I've been through this this cycle before. Um 
I think one of my favorite parts of watching how well she acted was when they there's a scene where they're fighting out in front of the house and they live in a cul-de-sac and she's so angry with him. She just starts like flailing her body going, yeah, that's me yelling at my husband in front of the whole neighborhood. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like who cares who's listening? Yeah. And I, I think when you're in a relationship that can get tumultuous, like you've been to that place before, not if you've done it or not, but you've been there in that place and just watching somebody act it out is like so cathartic. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You're not alone. Absolutely. Yeah. We all have the, we all have that inside us and sometimes we just sort of need to let it out. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Really cool. Okay. Well, um, for those listening, if you're looking for something a little different, uh, whether you're a Drew Barrymore fan or not, you know, you look like Emily's described really well. It's about a woman's journey as a mother, a daughter and a, and a wife or a partner and uh, how she manages those changes over the years. And it's it's really well done and uh, jumps back from past to present really effectively. And I think it's a, it's just a, a great film and, yeah, a really great choice as well. So, all right, thanks, Emily. And now we're up to our last film, um, which I'm sure everyone's really keen to hear. You've had two really different interesting choices so far. And this last film is uh, the film that uh, you might ne- it not might not necessarily be you know, your favourite film of all time, but it's a film that, uh, you know, that really surprised you, that maybe challenged you, that blew your expectations out of the water and it leaves you, at the end you leave it thinking, wow, people need to see this film, <laughs> right? So it's a film that everyone needs to watch at least once in their life um, and quite often they they won't forget it after they watch it. So what is that film for you? Can you introduce it for us? Sure. So I picked the film Napoleon Dynamite. What are you drawing? A liger. What's a liger? It's my favorite animal. It's like a lion and a tiger mixed. Why are you so sweaty? I've been practicing some dance moves. Is Trisha here? Is that in my driveway? and this was a hard this was a hard pick for me but i just kept on going back to how unique and special this film is i don't i don't think people get to see this part of the united states and the way these people live like you said earlier slice of life right yep 100 percent in a relatively quiet part of America. Was it Idaho or Iowa? Idaho. Idaho, yeah. I, I believe it was Idaho because I think everyone's used to seeing what California looks yeah. like. Yeah. Right? That's what America is. It's either New York or California. But have you ever seen a movie made in Idaho before? No, I don't think so. I mean, uh, I mean, it's the potato state, isn't it? Like, is that where they yeah, grow potatoes? Right. <laughs> yeah. Good potatoes, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the fruit and veg shop, um, fruit and veg shop as we call it, or I think farmer's market you might call it. The one we had here used to sell them. Uh, oh, but yeah. They weren't, they weren't selling enough and because they had to travel all the way from the United States. I think they were freezing them and stuff and they just weren't very good. Oh, but yeah. I had them in America and it's true what they say. They are amazing potatoes. 
um, because of volcanic soil and stuff. But uh, anyway, nothing to do with Napoleon. Sorry, I'm talking about the potatoes <laughs> on my brain. I don't know why. Um, but for someone who hasn't seen Napoleon Dynamite, and that's probably a lot of people, even though it's got a bit of a cult status, it's a 20-year-old film now almost, um, just walk us through it. What's, what's it about? Who's Napoleon Dynamite? Sure. So, um, yeah, cult status. It started off as an indie movie, and I saw it for the first time at an independent theater because there was a kind of like a simmering moment here in America where not everybody knew what it was, wanted to go see it. It was, I don't want to say underground, but it was very quiet. Um, and so my friend and I drove across town to the indie theater to go watch it, not really knowing what it was about. Um, essentially, Napoleon Dynamite is the main character. He's a strange teenager that kind of dances to the beat of his own drum. But it shows that everybody around him and his life is this way also. So you don't know if they're strange because where they grew up this like quiet town or is just everybody weird right i think we're all strange and weird in our own ways but don't exactly show it all the time yeah he's he's unapologetic isn't he he's just he he is himself 100 percent, and uh yeah. played by john heater and i think it was yeah. one of his early roles and uh mm -hmm. he just absolutely nailed it you know it was like you couldn't imagine anyone else playing that character after watching. Right. 100%. Yeah. And um, I'm interested to hear, like, your sort of, I guess, ideas about the film, about about the direction the film took and, and yeah. how it portrays Napoleon Dynamite and, like, other things like the, the colour palettes of the film and the, and the set design and stuff is very unique. Um, it kind of transports you into this other world. Um, and what, what stands out about the film for you and, and what makes it so unique sure yeah i'm glad that you mentioned the aesthetic because i didn't even think about that either um but i think what's special about this film it it does transport you into this unique place but the question is where are we okay idaho i guess but when because there's there's things that pop up you know technology or toys or food that it's kind of scattered from the 70s all the way to current time and you're not really sure like what day and age are they living in or yeah. we living in because you're there right yeah and i think that's what's special about that film is that um i've never up until that point i had never seen anything like that where i'm i'm the whole movie i'm guessing where is this taking place because <laughs> we're so used to like a definitive answer yeah these days every, the film has to explain everything to you like usually yeah. you go into a town and it tells you in the big letters what town it is and yeah. all of that and and it, it it lets you i think make up your own mind when and where yeah. this you know and and you, you can watch this film and like shot for shot you know the director puts so much time thought and energy into every single frame and every single shot and scene and a lot of these shots are filmed with just one angle and maybe mm -hmm. just a few takes. And like this, most scenes only last like a couple of minutes, right? Yeah. And then it, it kind of moves on. So it doesn't really have sort of a plot as such, I found. You know, I just rewatched it again today before our chat. I'd first seen it back when it first came out, but didn't really remember much about it. I don't think I was in the frame of mind at the time. 
rewatched it again today and I absolutely love it. Consider me a Napoleon Dynamite fan now and next costume party, I think I might even, you know, try and go as him and <laughs> a few drinks, maybe try that Jamiroquai dance. We'll see. So um not as young as as I as I used to be. But um yeah, uh standout scenes. What would what would be some of the best scenes of the film for you, do you think? Um, probably the Rex Kwando scene yep. where they're learning karate from this guy that's in like American flag pants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good. I, I know that actor, I can't think of his name now, but um, mm. I remember reading that when he read that script, he said that was like the best script that he ever read and he had to be a part of that film. Yeah, absolutely. And he only has a couple of scenes and but how they bring him back at the end is, is really clever as well. Um, I, I liked that. I'm like, yes, finally, this other character who he runs into yeah. gets sort of gets what's coming to him and everything. And <laughs> yeah. Um, but just, just interesting. I'll go back to what you were saying about when this is, and I have a few ideas and it's either because obviously his uh, older brothers on this chat room all the time talking to his mm -hmm. you know, the love of his life. And, um, but it's obviously the old box computer. Uh, there's no mobile phones seen anywhere in this film. You know, they're all on, they're all on landlines. Um, he goes into the, like the thrift shop or secondhand shop or op shop as we call them in Australia um, and gets the VHS tape. He still listens to a Walkman. So is in that time in between, you know, the internet just starting and before DVDs really took off or is it set in 2004 when it came out and this part of America is just so behind that, you know, they're living in the past. Like it doesn't really give you an easy answer, but it kind of lets you make up your own mind about that and a lot of things as well yeah would you would you agree like it's you can kind of everyone can describe this film differently yes and i think what's special about it it kind of spanning a couple of generations is that the time doesn't really matter it's the story about people and how you know no matter no matter what year we're in people deal with loneliness and I think that's what the the film really is about is loneliness and how humans behave during these periods of their time and what they do alone and you know how they involve friendships and relationships and and how that can change them as well. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think not not having been to Idaho or that part of America, but understanding that it's it's a quieter part of the country and you know small towns and scattered populations and lots of farming communities and that kind of thing and i think they really capture the the experience of living in a place like that especially being a young person where they're very they all seem very detached from their own lives and their own reality and you can just see that in napoleon dynamite's facial expression all the time it's like he's there but he's not there you know <laughs> like yeah. what's going yeah. on and even even pedro as well he's in his mind a million miles away um mm -hmm. but obviously this is the famous scene from the film where napoleon dynamite dances and there's mm -hmm. that there's that pause when he runs off the stage and then they're all like yeah that was awesome and he gets yeah. that standing ovation and that cheer and it's like i think he in a way brought everyone to life in that scene you know that was that was the impact he had, but it was all building up to that in a lot of ways. And then like the last 10 minutes of the film are just, you know, just awesome. I find. Yeah. I think we see that a lot with social media now is that people can really be, you know, weirdos in their own life and, you know, <laughs> dorks or whatever. Um, yeah. but, but now that everyone has a stage 
like you could be such this like cool, unique person, you know, on your phone or on the computer when we're watching YouTube or TikTok that like Napoleon was strange and he did things that didn't make sense on his own. But when he did something strange in front of a whole audience, it was different, right? Yeah. Now he's cool. It was funny when he was dancing and getting sweaty in his room by himself, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, he steps outside of his, I guess, his, his fear and goes up on stage and, yeah, yeah, just absolutely kills it, you know. And, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, it's watching it again and what sort of stood out for me is there's, like, there's a, it's a small film in a lot of ways and it feels like it's mm -hmm. part of something bigger that maybe it only yeah. hints at a little bit. Um, some, like, things like bullying and, you know, depression and, um, like, his uncle who's who's trying to relive his past as much as, yeah. as possible. So what what do you what do you find are some of maybe some of the themes that it explores whether it's does that directly or indirectly you know what what are some of the themes or topics do you reckon? Sure. So like I mentioned earlier, I definitely think it's a a scope on loneliness. Like everybody feels lonely, whether they they show it or not. Yep. Um, okay. and I think for. The other thing that's kind of when we first started seeing like in films, the, the popular kids weren't nice and they were bullies, but also they were, you know, dealing with stuff on their own as well. hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Everyone's got their own sort of internal struggle and all of that. And yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's a film like no other. Absolutely. And it's, it's, uh, I'm so glad we could, we could talk about it and, um, You've probably seen it multiple times, I'd imagine, and um, oh, yeah. I've just finished watching it a few hours ago again for the first time in like twenty years, and I'll be watching it again. I think I might. I think I'm gonna have to find a copy on DVD because I could go back and watch so many things and revisit that. So, so yeah, um, three really unique films that you've shared with us, Emily, and I think you've uh, given some really good thought to what they are and what they mean to you and um thank you for for sharing your stories with us about those films sure. and what they've meant for you and and i'd like to sort of finish up the the my movie story chat with uh yeah just i guess what would you like to see and this is a you know a bit of a big question but like going forward with movies you know the fu the mm. future of movies what would you like to see happen what do you think needs to happen um or what are maybe some um some movies people should be sort of paying attention to just sure. to sort of finish up. I'm a big Netflix fan. Yep. And I feel like people either are or they aren't at all. And for me, when a new movie or a new television show comes out, I'm like, give me that. I'm cons I'm consuming it. And I'm always sharing what I like because um, I want other people to watch it too. But we're seeing right now a lot of different perspectives than we ever have before. Um which I, I want to encourage that. And I love that um, millennials are now making movies and TV shows because we're so much, um, we're more like deep thinkers. And when we're writing about our, I say we, like I'm a writing films, but when millennials are writing films now, they're so much more um, like introspective 
yep. talking about our, our childhood and how things were so different for us and chaotic <laughs> throughout, you know, the nineties and the, the early two thousands when everything really changed. Um, so I, I'm appreciating when those movies come out, but I'd like to see more. Okay. I really like when people write about their own lives as well. I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not a big like Marvel or, you know, superhero kind of <laughs> movie person. It's just not me. Um, yeah. I'm looking I like something I can relate to. I think a lot of the former diehard Marvel and superhero fans are getting a bit tired. I think it's, I think it's, you know, the bubble's starting to burst for sure. If it hasn't burst yeah. already. Um, I will say though, I am keen to go watch The Flash because they've brought back the Michael Keaton Batman. I'm very excited yeah. about that. He was the Batman I was introduced to and grew up with, with the original and mm. Batman Returns. Like, love those films. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about that. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with what you'd like to see happen. I think more perspectives because, you know, films are so powerful in, in telling stories and also, you know, uh, helping people to understand others, even if it's just for a couple of hours uh, right. through, through the medium of a film and bridge mm. those gaps and, and get people to be like, oh, okay, so that movie is based on a book. Maybe I'll go read that book and dive right. a little bit deeper into that story or, or that issue or that topic. Mm -hmm. you know? And um, we live in the entertainment age, you know, so movies, although there's a lot of content out there, you know, and, and stuff is dispensable, there's there's some movies that, that stand the test of time that uh, need right. to be seen and need to be watched. And uh, the three you've chosen are all absolutely uh, prime examples of that. Um, and it's been great talking to you about these three movies. Uh, so, yeah, so thank you very much, Emily, for sharing your stories with us and, and these three films. Um, anyone who hasn't seen them yet, they're all great films, three extremely different films. You know, if you watched all three in a row, I think uh, that would be quite an interesting uh, experience. <laughs> uh, <laughs> order you watch those in, I don't know. Uh, that's that's up to you. But um, if you've enjoyed this conversation today, please, um, you know, share and like our podcasts. Uh, if you would be interested in being a guest on my movie story, uh, just contact me through all my details, which are in the description in the links below this episode. Uh, and Emily, thank you for your time coming to us all the way from upstate New York to Melbourne, Australia. It's been great chatting with you. And uh, yeah, we'll talk again soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Brian. Awesome. All right. Take care.